Hi, friends. Hello, should I delete that, listeners? We still have some tickets left for our live tour and we would absolutely love to see you there. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, we will be performing in the London Islington Assembly Hall. On Monday, the 27th of May, we will be in Salford. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, we'll be in Glasgow. Sunday, the 2nd of June, Birmingham. Monday, the 3rd of June, Bristol. And Tuesday, the 4th of June in Southampton. You can get your tickets at aegpresents.co.uk or via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bios. We really hope we see you there. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello. Hello. And welcome to a special podcast episode. Yeah. The best of Should I Delete That? Skin pickings. But uh, it's very like this. Did you say skin picking? Slim picking. Oh, I thought you said skin pickings. I was like, this is perfect. 15 second episode. Silence. Um, but if you are listening to this episode, it is because my baby's been born. Yay. <laughs> Fuck. Shit. Shit. Like it's so soon. It's I'm fine. very soon. It's very soon. I'm fine. I'm not fine. I'm freaking out. Um. But, yeah, we wanted a week off. Um, so this is what we've done. <laughs> Poor producer Daisy has trawled through all of the episodes. I mean, it's not just the episode, just like the amount that we've actually recorded. I know. It how- must be at least like a day. Oh, way more than a day. Way more than okay, a day. Okay, Daisy's like, yes, way more than... How, how many days do you reckon? Like a thousand hours. I'm going to work out how many days that is. 1,000 divided by 24. That's 41 and a half days. <laughs> 40 days and 40 nights. That's biblical. Jesus. So Daisy's really had, like, this is um, when I'm not the only one to birth a baby, basically. <laughs> this episode is Daisy's baby. So we hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Thank you for being part. Of- I'm just going to presume that everyone's been very nice to me. Um, in the wake of the baby being born but thank you for giving us some time a couple of weeks off we'll be back soon yeah. we're kind of playing it by ear we've bulk recorded a lot of interviews um, but I'll be back doing the GBA soon Al's gonna man the fort for a little bit Yep. and then I'll come back soon probably I mean I'm yeah. counting on the fact that I, it's not going to change me as a person and I'm still going to be really <laughs> bored and climbing the walls after like 15 or 20 minutes but I don't know. We'll see. We're we'll playing see. it by ear. So yeah. we've got this for now. We have plenty of episodes for you lined up. Is it just me, guests? So don't worry, we are not actually going anywhere. No, no. <laughs> and yeah, so we hope you enjoy this. Thank you for everything. Thanks for being the biggest um, 
funnest job in the whole wide world and um thanks for all the laughs because this episode is i already know i'm just gonna i can't wait to listen to it i'm so excited <laughs> although i yeah i still can't listen back to the podcast but maybe this one will why um, would you literally yeah <laughs> literally um enjoy guys and we'll be back as normal very soon thank you hi girls obs love the pod I keep hearing people's embarrassing stories and feel like they have nothing on mine. So thought I'd share. Three, maybe four chilies embarrassing. Oh. I've been with my boyfriend for seven years. About three years in, we went away for the night meal. The night meal? We went away for the night meal. The night meal, etc. The night meal. What is a night meal, etc.? I'm gonna say I'm gonna assume okay. she meant dinner. Okay. Um, that is the night meal, famously. Either that or a midnight snack. Anyway. Before we went, no, that's not a meal, that's a snack. Dinner. Okay. Before we went out, gross warning. He, this is gross. We've taken a turn. Okay. Apply that handbrake. Yeah. Before we went out, gross warning. He finished on my face. I was not Three years into a relationship that. just before the night meal. And he is just finishing before on a night meal. Etc. I mean, Unbelievable. Uh, he finished on my face. Okay. And for some reason, okay. I don't know why I didn't just look in the mirror. I took a picture of it on his phone. During dinner, he accidentally sent that picture, as in Facebook Messenger, when you just click on the pic and it sends with no warning, to our group chat with his parents and his sister. No. I died and <gasps> obviously cried my tits off. I've actually never heard that expression, but I love it. It was unable to be deleted and took a good few months for me to face him again. I begged his sister not to look and his dad sent back a picture. She said the dad was drunk, sent back a picture with mayonnaise all over his face and said not to worry. It never gets mentioned apart from by my friends at every available opportunity. We're getting married next year and the thought of it getting brought up in the wedding speech kills me. But there we go. P.S. I would love to have sent this as a voice note, but I'm a primary school teacher, so it might be a bit of a risk. <laughs> I think, out of all the stories, I think she's right. I think that's the worst. That's the spiciest. The worst. That's something about Mary times by a million, this because it's so not just things. Ben Stiller. It's the mayo. It's the mayo. It's the mayo. It's the mayo. It's, Don't it's, acknowledge G- your, your son's jizz. On his girlfriend's face. Daughter-in-law now. I used to dress for the male gaze. And I didn't realise this, but when you're 20 and you're going to the club, you want boys to notice you. So there was a performance to getting dressed in my early 20s. It was for the attention of... I think it was last year, I went into COS, like, for the proper first time. And I was like, rah, everyone looks good in here, you know? The women coming in, they just looked unbothered. And, and not just wealthy in money, but they just looked like they had their lives together. And I was like, it's the clothes. It's, yeah. the, it's this refined look. And then I took that conversation to social media and uh, women who like women said it's because COS don't design for the male gaze. COS design right. for women. Yeah. They don't care about what a man wants to see. They care about empowering women. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm a COS woman. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a boxy, shapeless, more, you know, more yeah. expensive mm. fabric type woman. But that took time to learn. And that also 
that means that I had to come to terms with the deep fact that no, you're not going to be every man's cup of tea. And now this conversation, this part of the conversation is coming from a place of privilege because I've been with the same guy for a decade. Mm. So I'm very like, I don't really care what that guy thinks, but I would like to think, knock on wood, it doesn't happen, that if he were to pass away, I wouldn't necessarily revert again to dressing for the male gaze. Sorry to the men in here. Men are just very giving trash right now. They're very... (laughs) (laughs) If we are... If if I can use TikTok data, the streets of men are not streets I want to be walking. Like, I'm not trying to entice these guys with a podcast mic asking me what I bring to the table. I'm just... I'm not there in my life. And so that then dictates my style because guess what? Nothing turns me on more than a woman running down the street after me and being like, where'd you get that? Mm. That is a vibe. Mm. If a man thinks I look good, I'm doing something wrong (laughs) because actually I'm now deeply in my man repeller phase. (laughs) I'm like, I don't don't want you to look at me, darling. It's fine. So nobody can criticise you unless you let them. Nobody can put you down Alex unless you let them. She's like, what? <laughs> but they can't, right? They can't do that to you. Nothing's happening to you. It's so true. When I when I started doing the work, and I do want Jacqueline to explain the model that she that yes. she that she teaches to help get this way of thinking. But I would always give her my situations that were making me anxious, and I'm like, oh, somebody's shouting at me or, or doing this to me, and she's like, no, they're not. They're speaking. Words are coming out their mouth. Yeah. They're not doing this to you. Stop taking it so personally. Words are coming out their mouth. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So I could walk in here today and you could yeah. say, Jacqueline, you know, those jeans, they're not really, <laughs> you know, really? Could you have not, you know, maybe different style? And I've got two ways of thinking about that. I'm either in an emotional childhood space mm. of going, I can't believe she said that to me. That's so fucking rude. How dare she? What's she trying to say? What about her Jeep, right? And off <laughs> you go. Yeah, which those thoughts make you feel anxious, upset, you know, not good enough, unworthy. And you're doing that to yourself by your thinking. Or I choose to think like Mm. that's really interesting that Alex wants to talk about my genes today. Right. And I feel really chill about that. And also it's kind of weird that she wants to criticise my genes, right? But I don't think it is a criticism. I just think it's your opinion. Right. And oh you don't God. have to like my genes. I'm cool with that. <laughs> it's just like I can literally I am like mesmerised, like... but I'm transfixed <laughs> by you. This is like... <laughs> I just think it's, you know, it's not me. It's about, you know, I've had a real journey through life, right? Yeah. And a lot of my work was about understanding that the power is all within me. Right. And I got labeled a million things. I got a comment on my Instagram this morning. Someone was like, you know, but I've got this and I've got that. And surely a mindset change because I've got all of these things won't work. And I don't I don't believe that. I really believe that we are not taught the power of our brain. Our brain is so fucking powerful when we learn to use it properly. But we don't get taught it. No one teaches us that at school. No one ever taught me at school like this is how you manage your minds and your feelings. Right. When I started with Jacqueline, like, because you're quite, like, tough. I'm very tough. And I'm so fucking sensitive. Sometimes I'll ring yeah. Jacqueline and I'll be like, oh, there's really bad things happening. And Jacqueline's like, right, well, I can just hear you're going to play the victim today. So I don't think this is very helpful. And I'm like, what? And then I'll hang up and then I'm like, oh. She's right, to be fair. Like, I have okay. a choice. I can sit and feel... And Jacqueline's like, you can feel sad if you want. You can sit and feel sad. Or 
if you want to try something new, we can try that. And it's obviously more, much more complex than like yeah. whatever. But for me, it was, it, it has become a choice of like, I just, I'm going to try. I'm going to try the positive thing. I'm going to try. But it's not, it's also not like, I mean, and I need to make this clear. This mm. isn't like, let's just think positively about everything no. in our right. lives, right? Because I don't believe in that. They never work for me. And for me, again, I'm talking personally, like affirmations, they never worked for me. I could never stand in a mirror and go like, I accept myself, I accept myself. <laughs> I accept. Like, it just wasn't going to fucking happen. I had yeah. to learn what the hell is going on in my head. And, and then when I understand that I'm doing this to myself and I get a choice, I'm now in a position of like, I've got some power around myself and some control around my head, okay. which means that I'm human, right? I was going to ask then the distinction between letting yourself feel the emotions and allowing yourself to dwell on something that in turn produces negativity. S say, for example, your you know someone's mum has has made a comment that's made them feel less than or or unworthy. Uh, do they are they should they allow themselves to feel the sadness? You know, how do you strike that balance? So first of all, if the mum has said something, the mother hasn't made the person feel unworthy. The mm. person themselves have thought about what the mother said in right. a way that makes her or him feel unworthy, right? Oh my God, I love so that. Like a year. I love I was that like, rephrase. No, no, I don't believe it. This is not my fault. I, I did this quite badly. It's really important. <laughs> and right. second of all, I'm a really big believer of feeling your feelings, right? Okay. Like I am so behind that. Like... You have to process, there is no, and by the way, listeners, there's no other way through, right? You right. can drink it away, sex it away, gamble it away, right. you know, smoke it away, like, forget it. You need to feel your feelings, right? That's yeah. so important and it's really healthy. And you have to process those feelings, right? And when you're ready mm. to not feel those feelings anymore, because there will come a time where you've had enough of feeling sad or anxious or unhappy or negative there will come a time when you're like sick and tired of being sick and tired in that space and that's when you're ready to do your work that's important I yeah. think because a lot of the time I'm like I should brush this off it's all about mindset I don't need to feel like this anymore so snap out of it and I think no. that's what a lot of people don't understand is that gray area that like little bit in between the transition phase totally. I guess that is Good sounds point, like it's very Alex. necessary because I can't just snap myself out of feeling anxious. I wish I could, but, you know, or feeling sad about something that's happened. So I think that's a really important note to let yourself feel everything you're feeling. 100%. But know that you're going to come to a point and to allow yourself to be ready at a point for you then to sh shift your mindset. Exactly. And the more you do mindset work, mm. the less you have those negative feelings. Girls are amazing. There was another school where these girls asked me to come in because the boys in their class were rating them out of 10. So they'd go into the classroom and the boys were shouting out like seven, four, six. And they didn't really understand what was going on with these three numbers. And then they realized the guys were giving them like a rating, not even just for their whole selves, but they were separating out their heads, their breasts and their bums. 
And these girls got so angry and they'd found everyday sexism on Tumblr. And they asked me to come in and talk. And I thought they won't want anyone to know who I am because quite often it's like the one girl in the school who asks you to come in and then really doesn't want anyone to know because she gets such backlash for being a feminist. But these girls, there were like seven of them and they were sitting in the front row with their arms linked and they'd made T-shirts and they gave one to me. And the T-shirt said, I want to live in a world where um, I'm judged by the content of my character and not the pieces of my body. And it was amazing. And I did the talk. And at the end, when I left, they had this like pledge against sexual harassment. They were getting all the boys to sign it as they left. And when I got home that night and I took the T-shirt off, on the back of the T-shirt, when I took it off that night, it said, anyway, I am 10 out of 10. And it's just like the best thing ever. I was out with my mum a couple of years ago wearing a super cute play suit. We got the bus home, but I was absolutely desperate for a wee. And the play suit had a zip, tie and tiny button at the back, which made needing a quick exit for going to the toilet virtually impossible. So as we got off the bus and walked the short distance up the road to our house, I asked my mum to undo the fiddly button so I could rush in and go to the toilet and only have to deal with the zip and tie. Right. Only she misunderstood and undid the whole thing. <laughs> what happened next was like a cartoon. I dropped my phone and so bent to pick down, bent down to pick it up. At that point, my play suit <laughs> fell down around my ankles, and in the puddle of fabric, my mum did the loudest sneeze ever, which made me jump. And that was a drop in the ocean of my bladder that broke the dam. I stood there in the street wearing only my knickers and a two-size small two bra, weeing the biggest wee of my life. <laughs> she just said at the end the only consolation was that my mum found it so funny she also wet herself <laughs> turns out pelvic floor is something we both need to work on um, and then speaking of iconic mums I think I had one more for you machine gun me is that me I, know. I love it sorry then you can have a break <laughs> I slept with my new boyfriend who took me back to his home which was basically in Renault mode There was no furniture or lights, so we were getting intimate together on the living room floor. I had a pad in my pants but didn't want him to feel it, so I slipped it out and placed it in what I thought, drunkenly, was a bin. I had told him the next morning, already horrified at what I'd done, to empty the bin. He told me he didn't have a bin. I had put my dirty pad in his toolbox. (laughs) I lived miles away and had already started making the journey home. So I had to send my mum and auntie to his house to get my pad out of his toolbox for me because I was so embarrassed. Wait, she sent her mum and her auntie? To go and get her dirty pad out of this man's toolbox. So what, what, they just turned up and knocked on this guy's door? Yes. How amazing. That is, I know Possibly more embarrassing than the pad actually being there. Arguably, in the first place, yeah. Oh my okay. god, yeah, mum, go meet the guy I'm sleeping with. Oh, my auntie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. I think but, that's more embarrassing. Yeah, how do, I want to know how that phone call went so badly. I don't know. I'm going to regret telling you this. This is a really oh bad no. thing that I did. Oh, God. It's, it's we related as well. Yeah. And I'm actually really fucking embarrassed, and it takes oh a god. lot for me to be embarrassed. Okay. Something weird the other day, and I was in a real rush, yeah. and I thought, I need to save time. Like I had loads. I think I needed to have a shower or something and I was in a rush. So I was having a wee and I was like, I'll just take my shoes off while I'm having a wee. But then because of my face, I can't oh no. bend down at the moment because oh no. because my face is all fucked up. So I had to bring my leg to me, my foot oh my to me oh my to God. take my shoes off. So I lifted my leg up. <laughs> oh my God. It's worse to say it out loud. But yeah. I lifted my leg up. <laughs> up <against> the 
Post for the Instagram. People need to see this. As I was doing it, I was like, "This is stupid." And then, <laughs> and I've got the sink just in front of the lips. I just like feed on the sink. <laughs> but then, but then my dad was like, "Oh god!" And then that would have been one of the things that I quietly took to my grave. But <laughs> I've started a podcast, so obviously I had to tell the story. That is epic. That. That's my favorite awkward. Definitely one of the ones that should have just stayed in your head. I can't just told you that. So yeah, I pissed all over my bathroom wall. But Alex, this has to oh, end. This has to, oh my God, we're running out of time. In 10 minutes, our guest is arriving. I'm really nervous. Let me just wipe my tears. I'm really I'm nervous. I'm to tell you, are you ready? I hate the unknown, I'm scared. Like, I feel like I'm shaking. Okay, Alex, are you ready oh, to God. find out who's coming on the podcast? Yeah. Today, coming onto the podcast, yeah. is somebody called Benita Norris, who holds the world record for being the youngest, youngest woman, woman to climb Everest and ski to the North Pole. Fuck off! Fuck off! <laughs> Are you excited? I know her! Fuck off, do you know? What do you mean well, you know no, her? I don't actually know her, but I, I, I know who she is! You know who she yeah. is! Daisy, she knows I know who she is. is! She was 20 when she climbed Everest. She was 20... 22 to 20 when she did her first 8,000 peak man's Oh my god! I've read her book, don't worry, I've done loads of research. Oh but I my knew god. you've already done the research. Oh my you know, god. You know oh my everything god. you I've got so know. much to ask her. I know. I've said today so many times, I would love to meet someone who's climbed Everest. Oh my god, know. I feel like I'm gonna cry. <laughs> hey! I know, I've listened to a podcast with her. Oh, have you? And now yes. you're gonna host a podcast with her. Yes, I swear, I, I, I swear, I remember. She's. Here's a book. She fell down on the descent. She fell on the descent. She, she did. She, did. she, she did. fell on the descent. I've got some rock. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So this is a piece of rock from as close to the top as we could get because there's actually no, no rock on the summit. But, um, oh, my God. That's so So this is rock from the Hillary step. But, no, you take your photos. Some people um, take, take take snow from the summit and, um, like, I think Bear Grylls took snow water from the summit and kept it and christened his children with it, which is such a lovely idea. Wow. Didn't think of that at the time. That's cool. Really annoyed with myself for missing out on that. That's huge. Okay. So people, people do, some people do bury, um, I think one of my teammates buried like a, a little trinket on the top. But I didn't want to leave anything there because I was like, there's enough like um, stories about trash on Everest as, as it is. Yeah. So I don't really want to like be burying it. all of my... Stupid shit on the top. Yeah. Did you um? Did you see the curvature of the earth? Did you have that full circle moment? Well, we did at the sun at sunrise. We were just about to climb the Hillary Step, and the sun, um, burst like over Tibet and rose because we climbed through the night to get to the summit for just after sunrise, so that we'd have all that daylight to get back down again. Because we all know that like getting down is the dark, the dangerous bit, so you need to have daylight. So we climbed up in the dark and then the sun came up over the over when we were on the Hillary Step, which is like this famous rock wall. Um, it's the last kind of gateway to Everest summit, really. Uh, it's really dangerous, really steep. And I was just, just about to start that and I was quite nervous. And then the sun just like, 
burst over beneath us like you're looking down on the sunrise and all of the mountains around just turn this like luminous pink and it's the most amazing colors and um I remember like the snow around my feet turning pink and just like this fiery colors and then feeling all the warmth on my cheeks and that was amazing and you can see the curvature of the earth kind of illuminated by that and on on the other side of the mountain you could turn around and it was still dark and you could see like incredible stars and then sort of splitting night and day in half was this pristine white or pristine like beautiful pink fiery summit so it was um it was beautiful but yeah it was I mean the curvature of the earth in some ways was like gorgeous to see and very emotional but climbing through the dark we were looking down on on thunderstorms thousands of meters beneath us like you're what? in the world of the gods I up there I can't compute that I know I can't compute that because the, the rain's in the sky how are you above yeah. the sky exactly That's did you insane. did you climb through a cloud at all cloud. yeah yeah we were we mean really low down we would climb through clouds and so we were is that like base well cloud, clouds yeah, yeah, even lower than base camp, you, you can get clouds. But yeah, really, yeah so sorry. we got we got that moment. But when we actually did get to the top, we were in a cloud, total whiteout. Like there was no really? view at all. So that <laughs> whole thing of wanting to get to the top and see the culture of the earth did not happen. And people are like, oh, does that disappoint you? And I'm like, well, look, you know, there's no certificate when you get to the top of Everest. There's no gold medal. There's nothing. There, There is no view even sometimes. But that you don't care about that because you are there with this group of people who you started the trip as strangers and by the end of it, you're like family standing on top of this mountain. And just to like be there with them, that was the best thing. Um, and uh, to know, as I said, that you've done it and that relief. So, yeah, that was okay. it was incredible. But you're there for 10 minutes and then it's like, yeah. oh, shit, we've got to get back down. Yeah, because just thinking about like now I'm shaking myself thinking right wrong summit and we've got to do the descent. And you don't have like it's 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 harder, right? The descent, descent is harder because you're tired yeah, it is and isn't. It's a lot easier because gravity's on your side now. So we yeah. would literally run down the the, the hill, the, the slopes that we would spend hours toiling our way up, yeah. which you is run. amazing. Yes, pretty much. You'd my like, knees um, can't handle oh like <laughs> the side of a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> we, when you're that desperate to get back to base camp, yeah. Yeah, um, and you're already in so much pain, like what's a, a knee kind of break? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> <Little> jog. <laughs> I wouldn't even run for the bus, and you're running down Everest. That's insane. <laughs> but that, by that point, you're so excited, like you've got to the top, you've yeah. got it in the bag, you just want to go to base camp. And I was aware as well; it's like dangerous up here. Let's get back down. So we were, Lakpa and I were. We sort of didn't rush, but we were moving really quickly back down the mountain, overtaking loads of people that were sort of slumped over, exhausted. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, you, everyone's got to get down. We've got to get down. Like, all I'd heard is you need to get down um, as fast as you can. And I think I got a bit pissed off going down the peak because we were having to climb around so many people that were just sort of like chilling, chilling and, and slumped over. And um, so I was like, oh, God's sakes. And picked up this duff piece of rope, which I didn't realize. It wasn't a duff piece of rope, but it was trapped around um, a, a rock, a boulder. And when I picked it up and sort of launched myself over this edge, it then f- it, this rope then came free um, and all of this slack came into the rope. Oh so um, what I was expecting, you know, as I pulled on it and like launched myself over the edge to come tight, it didn't come tight. It just kept going. <gasps> And so then I'm suddenly falling. And there's, you know, there's a thousand, at least a thousand meter drop one side. I think there's like a two thousand meter drop the other side. So you're not, you're not, you know, you've got to land on on the Hillary step still or you're going to die. And I did, thankfully. Um, and I sort of bashed my back, my neck. I sort of really slammed into this rock. 
thought I was fine, sort of stood up a bit shaken and um, carried on. And then it was about, I don't know, an hour later that um, I realized I, I can't move. I actually can't move. Really? Yeah, I can't move anymore. Like my whole, my neck was in absolute agony, like my shoulder, I couldn't, every time I even tried to lift up my leg, I was getting like stabbing pains all up my spine. And uh, I just couldn't hardly move anymore. And I remember saying to my, to LACPA, like, I can't, I can't do this. And we just, we were then like, I was then that person slumped over and all the people that we had overtaken on the way down started to pass us. And eventually, like, the last guy came past and I realized that it was getting dark and the, the clouds had all come swelling in. And he basically, like, this, this American guy, he gave me some paracetamol and was like, good luck. <laughs> and suddenly we were up in the death zone on Everest, completely on our own. Paracetamol. And it was, and it was getting dark. Paracetamol. I know, like, <laughs> like oh I see that shark here's, like, a, here's a plaster here's a jelly yeah. yeah well at least he stopped that's how, that's how I feel about it like so many people just walked yeah. on um, but uh, yeah and then I just like now like my god we were literally in our own disaster movie like I could not I could not believe that it had gone from me achieving this dream I was on top of the world and then it had all gone so wrong so fast and I and Lakpa at that point when we were there, up there on our own he just grabbed me at the shoulders and I could see the fear in his eyes and he was like if we don't move we will die and that was like the the kick up the ass I needed because I was like I cannot kill Lakpa I'm not going to be responsible for his death <laughs> and so I was just like we need to get down and um and uh with the, with his help and with my other teammate Rick who I didn't realize but he had realized that we were like far behind and so he waited and he helped as well and we got we got down but it could have you know if if it wasn't for lack of saying, like, giving me that shake and being like, pull your shit together, that's when I realized that about the whole thing we said earlier, like, you just, it doesn't matter how exhausted you are, it doesn't matter how emotional you are, you cannot, you cannot let that overcome you, you have to still be in control, and yeah, so we got, we did get back down to camp um, at like 11pm, and we'd left our tent at 9 p.m. the night before or 9 or 10 p.m. so I'd been out in the death zone for like 24 hours oh my and were you physically okay or like injured what what happened when you fell um so I I don't know uh basically I never really got a diagnosis for what happened but I I just properly sort of bashed up my my back my shoulder I didn't break any bones but I think the pain felt like it might have been a trap trap nerve or something had happened but the next morning when we woke up, um, this this other guy gave me like he just I just remember him pouring this like concoction of tablets into my hand. Mm -hmm. They're all different colors and shapes <laughs> and sizes. And I just want like chuck them in. And then as I climbed down, the mountain was just like rippling and moving. And I was completely oh my off God. my face. <laughs> and it was the only thing that got me down, like basically, because the pain, as soon as they wore off, I was in absolute agony and could barely move again. Um, but yeah, we, I had to climb down on my own. And I two guess feet you can't and... check if you're bruised. Like you can't. It's not like you can be like, oh, can someone look at my arm because it's cold. You can't take. Your yeah, I mean, I arm. was, I was, I did have a little bit of bruising, but it wasn't. I think that was something that had, like, I had caught. Like there was a yeah. trap nerve or something had, like, gotten. I don't know. Yeah. God, nicked inside my terrifying. skeleton. It was just yeah. Yeah, that's so scary. And, but was everybody else on your trip okay? They were. I mean, they because they were out so late with me. You know, some of them got a bit of frost nip, frost bite on their on their fingers. Like nobody got any sort of issues. But when we got back to base camp, <clears throat> there was this huge party, obviously, 
and the base camp cook, he like made a cake. How the fuck do you make a cake at five and a half thousand meters at every space camp? I don't know, but he'd managed to make this cake. And uh, and I just was there like, oh my God, I really don't feel like I can even be a part of this celebration. And then after uh, that, the um, Rick took off his gloves and he had frostbitten fingers from helping me. Um, and I just, it was like the worst thing in the world. I was like, I can't believe I've given you fucking frostbite. I can't. I can't believe, like, I felt terrible. And from there, I just left Everest and I just felt, like, completely broken. I was just, I, I, I put my teammates at risk. I could have killed Lakpa. You know, I, I gave Rick Frostbite. Um, it was just, it all just felt like a, the biggest failure that you could possibly imagine. No. And I, I don't, when I look back now, I, I can see, you know, that there's loads of people all the time that have yeah. disasters on Everest, or not even on Everest, but they fall and they need help. And I've helped people that have needed it as well, and I've never regretted helping them. But when you are, like, I was sort of 22, doing this by myself, didn't really have anyone to kind of talk me through it all, um, I just felt really guilty and got back home to this, like, massive media frenzy, being in all the... Like, I'm so glad that social media didn't really exist, but, like, front page of every newspaper and on the news and people at the airport taking photos of me and privately dealing with this feeling of like massive failure but being like branded this huge success at the same time and then going on to being like highly sexualized by the media and like I listened to your podcast about with Jimmy Jamil about like building women up and then tearing them down that like totally happened to me as well really um and having to have this very public suddenly no one you know you're working for all these years towards no one gives a shit you know I couldn't get anyone to pay attention to me I couldn't get anyone to give me any sponsorship no one wanted to know me because I was a nobody and you come back from Everest really needing time to go and heal and like figure out what happened and suddenly I was just everyone else's property and it was it was really weird to deal with um which I'm only as like a 30 year old woman like starting to realize like how fucked up that was you know Mm. at the time but um Basically, a woman can only maintain good behavior for a year and a half, and it's probably her fault. That must have been my like internal misogyny. And so when I became famous, as I'm sure lots of different people who are, end up in this ridiculous scenario do, they think, well, I'll do it differently. I'll be better than those than those women before me. And then you get into it and you're like, oh, no, fuck. The, the system is rigged. Uh, the game is rigged. And so... It's a very, very precise machine where basically they pluck someone who they can see is garnering some kind of attention for whatever reason. They stick out. It might be the way that they look or their background or whatever project they're in. They pick that person. They elevate them above everyone else. And then they start to hyperbolize how amazing they are all the time, constantly just over-egging, like saying that she's more beautiful than she is or she's smarter than she is or she's more talented or more stylish and everything becomes very hyperbolic in the descriptions around them and they start to really overexpose this person. And so suddenly all you're seeing is this person everywhere all the fucking time. And as the reader, you're like, Jesus Christ, how much press is this woman doing? Like, why is she in the headlines? And often... Those aren't interviews that we're giving. They might be a tweet reply that we've given to someone else or something that's literally just been pulled out of the reporter's arse and they've just used the term source with, in, you know, uh, with the um, quotes around it. 
and they make up all kinds of shit about us. And so it seems like we are just constantly promoting ourselves, constantly putting them, ourselves out there. We are self-obsessed. They start to take these hyperbolic headlines about us, like saying how amazing we are and put these kind of slightly smug looking, smiling photographs of us as if we are agreeing with the headline that we have never consented to. And by this point, the audience is so fucking, and the readers and the public are so sick of us. They're like, Jesus Christ, this woman's relentless, that then we are in a prime position to be ripped to pieces. And then in comes the minor mistake or the misunderstanding or the complete smear and lie about us. And it travels like wildfire because our name has become very current and very relevant. And also everyone's ready to get rid of this bitch I would be fucking sick of me. I was sick of the sight of my own face from what I saw, you know, the amount I saw of myself and I couldn't understand it. Like my publicists weren't even uh, on my retainer. Like I wasn't, I, di I didn't even have anyone putting anything out there about me and yet I was constantly in the headlines. It was insane. And so then the fall comes and it is spectacular because since the beginning of time, since Adam and Eve, us are, there is something about our society that loves a disgraced woman, loves the theatre of a disgraced fallen woman, of the fallen angel. And then we tear to pieces. She either kills herself, wants to kill herself, or just cancels herself and makes herself disappear because women are told from birth to be liked and the most important thing is to be liked and approved of and believed and if that goes away your worth is diminished and therefore you should extract yourself from society because you have failed them we do not have that we don't have we only have redemption stories for men i always say that you know we don't give women the benefit of the doubt because we've spent it all on men we have no benefit of the doubt left for women because we've given it all to men and so once this woman is destroyed and has removed ourselves boom, we just move on to the next target. And I think the pattern was harder to see back in the day because it was kind of, you know, we've had less celebrities. It was just harder to become a celebrity. And so it would happen once every five years. So it'd be Jane Fonda and then Princess Diana or Marilyn Monroe. And so these were kind of like spaced out by five years. But now that you've got a celebrity a fucking second, it's happening every single week. And so it's out of, con it's out of control and and now we're starting to see the pattern really clearly. And now I've lived the pattern. Now it's crystal clear to me and I understand what every woman's gone through. And now I'm just determined to use whatever's left of the last bits of success I have to warn everyone else that this is coming and to implore readers to not believe everything you read, especially about women in the media and to know that our interviews are taken completely out of context. They reconstruct sentences out of entire paragraphs, we say. Everything you see is twisted and gnarled um, through the lens of misogyny. Yeah. So you say like that you could see, like you, you, you know, you kind of seen it since you were a child, but they did use this on you. Yeah. And like, I wonder, were you able to clearly see what was happening and be like, this is happening? Or is it something that came to you later and if it if it was happening kind of um before you could really put your finger on it how did it make you feel was it just like horrifically isolating or you know did it affect your mental health before you could lay you know recognize it as a them problem rather than a you problem I became a public figure twice so I had a bit of warning from what happened to me at 26 when the sort of British media turned on me because I'd gained weight um, back in the day when I joined Radio One, so I knew I knew what that felt like, but to a much smaller degree because the UK is so small compared to US news, which becomes global very fast. So I was mm. kind of prepared when I got to America, and when when the hyperbole train was starting, and everyone was like, "She's the feminist hero we need," and I was like, 
I left school at 16. I don't know fuck all. Like, please don't put this pressure on me. I'm a feminist in progress. And they'd be like, no, she's Gandhi. She's motherfucking Gandhi. Like, <laughs> I knew I was, fu- I knew I was fucked. Everyone like, you know, I like in 2019, I was on the cover of Vogue. And in the same month, I was being named one of Time magazine's 25 most influential people next to fucking like Harry and Meghan and Donald Trump and Ariana Grande. And I was just like me off of T4 and Radio 1. It happened so mm-hmm. fast. And I knew it was like yeah. that. It's that feeling at the top of like an Alton Towers ride where they just keep you at the top for a second. And you're just like, oh, my God, just drop, just drop. Just please just let it be over with. Like, I just I know what's coming. And that's what that whole of 2019 felt like. So when 2020 hit, I wasn't super surprised, but I didn't know how disgusting it would be. And I didn't know how much women would enjoy uh, taking me to pieces. That was insane. It, w- it wasn't men. I thought it would be men. It was, mm. it was, it was almost entirely women. And um, why, why do you think that women then are the ones that take most pleasure in that and seeing other women being, you know, being torn down or taken down a peg well I think because we're pitted against each other from the minute we can understand we're told there can only be one and we're to- we're told to compete with each other and we're told that a one woman's achievements or one woman being special on the limelight means that we can't have that and that's not fucking true that's just a, a scarcity mindset put into us by men there's so many fucking men who look the same, they do the same shit, they sound the same, they act the same, they sing yeah. the same, dress the same. And, and and we seem to just have endless space for all of them, but there can only be this one woman. So I think I think we have a, and we, I think we also just have a natural distrust of women because of how everything has been set up that way. Women are placed throughout biblical texts, throughout literature, throughout film as the inconvenience for a man, the one who manipulated, the one who lied, the one who beguiled a man and then led him astray. Like It's just constant programming of like, I don't trust her. We don't trust women and we don't trust a woman who seems to be good or trying to do the right thing. We're like, what's her angle here? Like there must be an angle. And and I, I think that's just training. And I know I've had it. Fucking hell. I was a massive misogynist until I was like 27, which is really old. But, you know, I'm, <laughs> it was a different time. Um, and so, you know, it's just we're all figuring it out. But also, you know, we just got to be trained to see the signs. Once you can see the signs, you see them everywhere. Look at Meghan Markle. Pregnant. Pregnant. Mm. And we... the. the our country ripped her to pieces. Taylor Swift, her documentary, so illuminating about the fact that you are really, as a woman, only allowed about a year at best of grace before your time mm. is up. Jennifer Lawrence, yeah. Anne Hathaway, like it just the list just Amy goes. Kira fucking Knightley. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's actually a really good point, isn't it? Because not many women are forgiven for. No, men happen all the time. Men get given the GQ redemptive article. Like, uh, like, like, I mean, Shia LaBeouf is working right now. I just saw a picture of him on set filming. What the fuck? Are you, are you kidding me? Emile Hirsch working. Emile Hirsch strangled my friend in front of hundreds of people and got like put in prison for it and is still working with A-list celebrities. Like we women wouldn't be allowed to do this shit. If a woman smiles the wrong way, Anne Hathaway just pre-prepared her fucking Oscar speech. Who isn't pre-preparing their right. fucking Oscar speech? Right, of course. Like, yeah. you know, and and she got destroyed for it and had to like withdraw from society. I pre-prepared an Oscar speech and I'm never going to win an Oscar. It's <laughs> <laughs> just something that you've all got to do, right? I mean, just <laughs> like, but when men fuck up, we do the like redemptive 
article in GQ or whatever or Esquire and, and we yeah. you know he talks about his difficult childhood and how he had like a difficult dad mm-hmm. and like how he's been to rehab and he's working on himself and we're like oh what a brave self-reflective king we love him like it's so sexy the way that he can look into himself women don't even get that chance women don't get the comeback no. we're just allowed to maybe creep back into society a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We need to work together. Yeah. Because yeah. right now, I'm not going to lie, it's looking a little more Gilead, I think, than anyone ever it's expected. Not, yeah, it's not looking good, is Margaret it? Margaret Atwood, she great. really was the mystic Meg of uh, the literary and world. now she's right. out. Like, she, I mean, she's dead, dead. Sorry, that's a really bad way of saying she's out. But like, now she's died. I'm like, oh my God, you can't leave us, Margaret. Like, you saw this coming. How do you fix it? Like, yeah, you literally you dropped wrote this. Yeah, now she's died. I'm like, oh my God, no. You she, can't just go. She wrote Handmaid's Tale when everyone read it and went, oh, that's some dystopian yeah. world. And then suddenly, we're in the pandemic uh you, you know you've got women going back to sort of 1950s uh taking on all the caring responsibilities yeah. stepping yeah. back from their careers going Mar- margaret margaret yeah. you've now, written the roadmap what the flip is happening abortion is now illegal yeah. they're like oh my god this fuck, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. and she's gone it's just like oh this is just bullshit if i could come back what come back. man? What man? I know what you're going to say. You'd come back as a man. I'd come back as a man. What man? What do you mean, what man? What like, man would you come back as? Like a specific Pick man. Pick a man, any man, yeah. i come back as Dave because he's got such a winner of a wife. You... <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Alex is Dave and Alex is Alex. <laughs> who would I come back as? I don't know. Like, who do... That's the thing. I just think, like, just a... I just... Well, there are certain things that I would like to have if I came back as a man. Makeup? No. Oh. Hair. Because I think this is something, th- three things that men struggle with, right? Yeah. Hair, height, dick size. Okay, yeah. So, so I'd like to be, be a, tall, a man tall with good hair, hair, full head of hair, and a big dick. Brilliant. And then I'd like and then I'd like to come back as the, that, that man. She could come back as Pierce Brosnan. And <laughs> but he's got a massive dick. <laughs> I'd be so sad think? if he doesn't. Yeah. I, I don't think so. so. What? Don't know. I can see it. I don't know. He's a tremendous lover. Agree. Agree. I love him so much. You could come back as Robbie Williams. No, no. What? Probably not. I just I'm thinking of all the people that I can think of with big dick energy. This is you can't you can't give me this question. This is way too vague. I can't just pick any single man in the entire world. I'd want to be someone not famous though. I don't. I wouldn't want to be a famous man. I'd want to be a non-famous man. Yeah. I'd want to be like. I saw a guy on the tube this morning. And I thought, that looks like, he looks like he's got a good life. Like, sick, okay. like, smart, like, really, like, well-cut suit, basically. Yeah. Like, an expensive suit with nice shoes. And he smelt nice, but not too nice. And mm. he just looked, he was married. Mm. I'm guessing he has kids because he looked a bit tired. <laughs> and he was just, he just looked. Bit I was tired. like, that looks nice. That Jen's looks got nice. an idea. 
There's a cab driver that Alex didn't stop talking about for a few days. That is Cyprus. random. Jen suggested, would you want to be a Cyprian Oh my man? God, he got, he, I forgot about him actually. So he picked us up from the airport, oh, bless Dave him. and I, and he was like this six foot five, half Russian, half Cypriot. He had curly hair, like beautiful curly hair, like absolutely stunning. I was like this the whole journey and Dave was just looking at me like, is this a joke, are you joking? And I was like, oh my God. And, and also like Dave hates this because I get I get very deep with, with people very quickly and they tell me things very quickly. I think I take after my mum in that sense. We ask a lot of questions and we're very interested in other people's lives. So they tell us stuff like quite quickly. So in like five minutes, he was telling me about his divorce and like how, and I was, and I was like, so are you dating now? Like, how's it going? The new girl, what's she like? What's going on? And Dave was just looking at me like, what is you're the new a girl like? He's not, it it's, not serious? it's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. Interesting. No. Alex books a flight back to Cyprus. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Dave went out of holiday days, how convenient. <laughs> Dave just looked like, just weary. Just like, I can't do this. No, you wouldn't want to come back as him. You'd want to come back as his lover. He was like a 26-year-old man. So Dave was like, I can't compete with this. No, hell no. It's hard to even try, Dave. Just give up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let it go. Yeah. Walk away. Yeah. You, you, know, you know when the battle's lost. Um, well remembered, though, Jen. Thanks, oh, he does yeah. sound dishy. He does, yeah. Do you think Piers Brosnan's on Instagram? Do you think he followed me? Probably not. I, I doubt it. No offence. <laughs> Let me have a look. Piers Brosnan official. Yes, verified baby. Put up a photo of Robbie Coltrane five days ago, so it's definitely him. Piers Brosnan. Oh my God, the last photo that he put up loaded, he is wearing, maybe he's gay. A very, like, he, he looks. He's got a wife, doesn't he? Yeah. And he looks gorgeous in that pink suit. <laughs> yeah, he looks really good. Who are you good. talking about? He looks a man comfortable with his sexuality, I Piers say. Brosnan. That's true, a me metrosexual man. Why is everyone ignoring me? Who are you talking about? Piers Brosnan. <laughs> Fuck, he's so fit. <laughs> Has he blocked me? I can't see him. <laughs> He's spelling it Pierce like Pierce Morgan because it's Pierce like Pierce my ears. Oh. Pierce my heart. Pierce my vagina. Dude. Yeah, no, he, it's Pierce okay. It's okay, everyone. He hasn't blocked me. That's fine. Oh, my God. Fuck. I mean, what a dish. Look at that. Are you kidding me? Look at that. Sorry, no. Do you know who I really, really fancy? Steve Carell. Steve <laughs> Like, what? Have you seen him in recent years, yes, though? Yes, he gives me the willies. He's in the morning show. He is hot, no? No, no that is hot. We want very different things Look out of the Look at that. Look at that. I miss my Walkman, you know. I miss batteries, actually. There's plenty of stuff still needs batteries. Yeah, like this podcast thing I'm recording on right now. And I like it. I enjoy yeah. it. I, I think it's... remote? Yeah, I find it very, um, yeah, satisfying. And reliable. Don't trust ten. Anyway, we're just talking shit. There's something wrong with the plan. No, no, no. Actually, you know what? Sorry, there's something wrong with me. No, I can't even say it. Daisy, no, don't, no. Even, don't even put my interruption in. Don't even, <laughs> don't even let me talk the shit. I think, um, let's skip all of that last bit. Um, yeah, my battery shit as well. Um, <laughs> miss batteries. Yeah, Christ. I'm saying that about the Walkman. Oh my um, God. When, yeah, when I started in the industry, I fell into spray tanning. Somebody said, I think you'd be really good at spray tanning. And I was like, oh God, I don't know. And then I actually fell in love with it because every day somebody was getting naked in front of me. But at the time I just was literally self-deprecating at home, like really hating every single inch of my body, measuring my jeans, constantly weighing myself like twice a day just to make sure the number on the scales was going down. It was a numbers game. And then 
been exposed to all the nudity, whether it was Victoria's Secret models, runway models, celebrities, or people who weren't in the public eye, the same thing came across, I'm sorry for, insert body part. Mm. And it slowly dawned on me that actually, it's not me that's the problem. There's a national epidemic of people hating their bodies. And that's not that at the time was not talked about. And actually, I really think spray tanning saved my body confidence. I think being exposed to so much nudity made me think, oh, everyone's got a little bump that they don't like. Everyone's got a lump somewhere. Everyone's got something that knocks their confidence off. And actually, it was more rare for someone not to apologize. I'd remember that more. And then I really realized that when a client left the spray tan booth, I actually never remembered any part of their body. Whereas I always thought people would talk about my body. I thought people would say, hasn't he got thin legs? Isn't his arms thin? Have you seen how fat he's got? It was this, that was the dialogue in my head. And then I realized, well, I'm not thinking that about anyone else. So chances are other people aren't. People are just so wrapped up in their own stuff. Um, so yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell, really. We can unpack it more and more, but that's what led me to... That's what kickstarted my body confidence journey. And I think that journey only started like four years ago. And the dialogue still goes in my head. I I don't think there is a peak of body confidence that you reach. Was it a big fi- like financial incentive to do these ads? Do you think, because obviously you said the products worked for you as well. So like, because I don't know, sometimes, mm. I don't know, is it was it like a like oh fuck I don't really want to do it but I will because I need the money or was it like no it's fine you know what I mean towards the end like like the third time I would say yes because it's like oh my god you've got your manager there saying well you could be paid x amount of money for this one post and you're thinking well I've tried the products the products work for me I don't know what people's issue is obviously people's issue was the fact that they were more educated than me (laughs) and I didn't know what the hell I was talking about but at the time you just think it can't be that bad if it works for me how can it possibly be that bad so then you do it and you think the money is a huge factor in it. I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. I mean, it's it's such a big chunk of money to turn down and it's such a a thing that, you know, you probably, you grow into your integrity and your morals and your values. Yeah, you do. And you've got and to grow you, them as well. Yeah. You know, you yeah, to, like, and you start to realise what actually is important. But it was that one line for me, really, would you want your daughter buying into something like this? And that was the thing that really switched it for me. So that was a pivotal kind of moment. Like a pivotal moment in my diet culture career. Love that, love that. (laughs) But I think it's a really interesting thing as well, because people assume when you've got a big following and you're like celeb and everyone knows who you are, that you are going to just be like fucking rolling in it. And it's a bit like, I guess it's funny on Instagram, because like we'll look at Kim Kardashian has done those slimming things and appetite suppressants and whatever. And obviously you look at Kim K and you're like, oh, you dick, like you don't need the money. Like that's just (laughs) annoying. Um, But then I I think we do probably look at that and then but then we look at everybody and we kind of tar it with the same brush and we just think oh you, you don't need the money you're just doing it because of whatever and yeah. actually you know it's that's the like um the facade of instagram isn't it and celebrity that you just think everything's rosy yeah you think everyone on tv is rich that's just the natural right. it's just a natural thought that you have i thought everyone on tv was rich before i got on tv and realized oh god most people are actually skinned <laughs> most people have got no money and it's really difficult and when I even look at like the new Love Islanders and stuff, it terrifies me because they are going to be earning their max probably in that first six months. And then it's only going to decline. We were quite lucky that actually when we started off, we we all had no money. And then it very slowly built gradually upwards. Um, and I think that really helped us. We didn't get overnight fame. We didn't get, well, 
we did, but not for the right reasons. We didn't get overnight riches. Um, a lot of us didn't have a lot of money. We didn't get paid for Geordie Shaw until series three. Did you like that? No way. I, had, I, I was reading that earlier. I was like, <gasps> are you serious? Not a penny. Oh, babe, we got paid in Jaeger bombs and kebabs. And we thought we were living the bloody dream. <laughs> oh my God. I feel like I haven't spoken to you in ages. I know we, we had a meeting together yesterday, but I was really rude to you. And then we went for our separate days and that was kind of that. Yeah, I just slagged off your outfit. But otherwise I've not seen you. I've not heard from you. And I've missed you loads. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to have you in my presence. It's all good. No, yeah, you did slag me off. We'll get to that, actually. <laughs> that might feature in today's episode. I still love... The postman's here, sorry. <laughs> the postman? Is it the postman that's here? <laughs> you, love, you love a postman. Oh, I do. <laughs> but maybe this is a good time, actually, to go into my awkward... Okay, go into it. I'm, and yes. it's my fault, and I'm sorry, and, and I love you, fault. and you're so pretty, and you're so good at getting dressed, no. and I just love you. <laughs> no, it's too late, Em. It's too late. So, as we've been talking about on the podcast, dressing summary, and I was like, oh my god, today's the day, right? I'm going into town, and I'm going to dress summary. And I checked the weather, and it said 23 degrees, and I remember you saying that 23 meant no jacket, right? so I was like I'm not gonna wear a jacket for once I'm going to wear a white linen skirt which is really pretty like had a frill at the bottom a little black bodysuit and like I was like over rather than a denim jacket which I wear all the time I was like I'm gonna wear this little blue short sleeve shirt that I've got and like wear it open cute anyway mistake because as soon as I left the house it was fucking raining but I was too late to go around and change so I was like oh my god I try and do something nice <laughs> um so I get into town and we go to this meeting and we're halfway through the meeting and I'm just it's like staring at my shirt like staring at it I'm like what she says you look, you look like a postman in the summer <laughs> it's <laughs> because <laughs> It's the Royal Mail, it's the Royal Mail summer uniform, it's a short sleeve blue shirt. And I I didn't mean like, you look like the postman, because your outfit was so pretty and you looked so nice and I was so proud of you. So when I saw you walking down the street looking so summery, I was like, oh my God, it was like pouring with rain. I was like, who is that? she's totally fucked it but she looks great um, and I loved your outfit but you know when you're staring at something and it really reminds you of something and I was looking at that shirt and I was like where do I know that shirt from and then I realised that it's the guy at the sorting office wears it every day because they wear the pale blue shirt and if you google it we found it it's a pale blue yeah. shirt with the little red royal mail sticker on Literally, it all so it wasn't like you, <laughs> it wasn't like you just looked terrible it was just that um I look that like shirt remind, just triggered a triggered a response in me a memory <laughs> so my awkward oh my god it's just it was so it was so weird and again such a small moment but it felt horrifically embarrassing I um we're taking Betty one day a week to a new daycare where we live, which she loves. Um, and we, I was dropped, we dropped her off there for a little taster session just to make sure that she was okay and that she liked it. Um, so dropped her off and I was chatting to the girl there who runs the place and it was outside and it was really sunny. So I had my sunglasses on, right? And these sunglasses I've had for ages, but they're so sturdy. They're key ones. That's how you say it, right? Q-U-A-Y, key, key Australia. Yeah. Love them. So sturdy. I've had them forever. And they just live in my bag, like, without a case on or anything, because 
there's yeah, they're that sturdy. And I was talking to this woman, and I, I think I went to touch my hair. I don't know what happened, but the one of the lenses just fell out. <laughs> just one, just one of the lenses just popped out, fell out, and I'm looking at this woman through one one lens and one open completely open glasses she's just got my eye and then and I was and it just took me a second and we were just looking at each other and I was like oh god oh god <laughs> <laughs> it was just horrifying it just felt oh. really really horrifying oh, I was like I god understand. oh <laughs> do you know what I mean I was just I like staring at this woman with one eye oh so weird Oh, okay, I, I, I understand. Oh, why is being human so embarrassing? So embarrassing. So she will never, t- she will never think again about that moment. It's absolutely no biggie for her, but for you, it's going to come back to you in your dreams. <laughs> Literally, it wakes me up in the night. Anyway, because Em's grown up with dogs and I haven't, so she uh, immediately put me at ease by listing all the things that her her dogs have eaten well consumed in the past and I want to read it out to you because it <laughs> made me laugh so I much just, I just need to reiterate before she starts we didn't feed these things to the dogs yeah. this is 27 years worth of hunting on about 10 dogs behalf this is not all one dog although the yeah. vast majority was yes. by our dog dodger, dodger who died a year yeah. ago today not oh. because of any of these things at the ripe old age of nearly we 15. We stress. He got to 15 on this diet, so here you go. Okay, let me read them out. Um, Bua ate like six earplugs when we first got her. Dodger and Echo drank the equivalent of a bottle of vodka. Digger ate rat poison. Whoopi ate a bee. Dodger ate a Christmas cake a year for like four years. <laughs> Dodger ate every chocolate decoration off the tree. Digger ate five advent calendars. Didier ate the birth control pills. Bisto <laughs> ate my advent calendar this year. Bisto eats his own shit. Digger once ate a whole frankfurter sausage without chewing it. <laughs> and she sticked it back up as well. And it didn't have any bite marks in it. <laughs> Digger was a fucking legend. He must have, he must have literally like inhaled she, it. I, literally, she was like, she was like, we just called her like the canine dustbin because she would like be like, <laughs> like all the food would just go in. That's so funny. Um, I can't believe it came out with a lot of bite marks. I know, but when you were like a paracetamol, I was like, oh, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, you were like, chill out. Do you know what I mean? Like, what, mm. what if if you just want to go to like look or like watch and stuff? Yeah. And then is there a way of being like, don't touch me? Yeah. Or is it is, yes. it, is there a lot of like people <laughs> are really quite say it like that? <laughs> don't touch don't me. Touch don't me. touch yeah. me. Yeah. But well, that, no, that's perfectly acceptable. Is it? Honestly, yeah. you will be more respected than you have ever been in any club at yeah. a sex party. I was gonna say is it people are on it everyone's with a lot of consent. And there's always there's always moderators walking around and people that are aware of boundaries oh, really? and consent. You know, like before you go to these sex parties that Sometimes you get grilled for it. You know, they're asking you questions. They're they're vetting you beforehand. Yeah, I think um, with Crossbreed, they ask you like a whole list of questions okay. to make sure you're someone that's not going to just go in and, you know, take advantage of people without talking to them first. Mm. And they so have people, moderators that yeah. like walk around and they, you know, that, that look out for awkward situations because it can happen. But if you want to go and you want to do something with someone, you just ask, you have a conversation with them and that's yeah. very normalized. Yeah. Uh, when I was at the hedonism one, a couple of times people came up to me, asked me if I wanted to play. And as soon as I said, no, like I'm in a relationship and I'm not, um, I'm just watching basically. Yeah. They were like, oh, that's totally cool. And you know, 
invited me they were like if you change your mind just let mm -hmm. us know but like absolutely no pressure we can just hang out and have a good time yeah the respect levels the yeah. respect oh. is amazing like i've never met anyone as nice as people at sex parties yeah they're so amazing okay i just have questions about sex parties now like do we just like because <laughs> i in my head it's like you just walk in and there's just you guys watch boys yeah the yes, the boys. Yeah. The yes, boys. okay. In oh, my yeah. head, and it's like, <laughs> you're all just like everywhere. Is it like that? That can happen, but that normally happens after about midnight to one. Okay. So yeah. you go in and it's just like a normal club night. You know, yeah. you go in, people look amazing because they've really put the effort in. Um, there's music playing, people are having a drink. A lot of people are chatting. Maybe a couple of people have started. You might hear some like spanks in the distance. Um, someone <laughs> will be, a couple of people walking around maybe topless or a bit naked. But it's normally as the night goes on, then it can turn into that kind of scene but that was like magnified okay um i have seen those scenes before yeah uh, especially at hedonism i mean you were part of a 12 person orgy there 12 person orgy 12 yeah. person yeah that's like even worse that's crazy what you four hands i know well, two hands four hands. <laughs> four, oh my god i wish hands. i had four hands that would just make life Jeez. so much yeah. easier Whoa. Um, i meant like four receptacles <laughs> like two hands a mouth and you five I yeah five, five. All right yeah you talk, you're right you're still the seven you're missing people out the accounted for what are uh, you doing with I don't your know. Oh, I mean, well you can say the scrap yeah. that. thank you, you give yes. someone a foot job <laughs> what have you done my awkward what have you done <laughs> okay i have two concerns number one i'm worried that i have just completely like over egged this and you'll be like oh it's not that bad but number two dave was like are you sure you want to tell that story <laughs> and okay. i was like oh do you what do you think he was just like it's just it's quite i don't know it's quite a lot isn't it and i was like oh, okay. oh my god what but i mean it? look i only have a shred of dignity left after this entire year of the podcast so mm. I'm ready. No, I'm, so, actually, I'm, no I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not ready. I'm sweating. Hang on, I'm okay, excited. Okay. I've got like sweaty excitement. Okay. My job no, don't off. be excited. Don't be excited. Imagine it's going to be shit, okay? That, you're really good at backing yourself and telling a story. I'd like to see you on Dragon's Den. Honestly, imagine you walking <laughs> in and just being like, look, guys, imagine it's shit. You don't want to back this. Okay, imagine you've got no money, okay? Because when I tell you this, like, pretend you haven't got any money at all. And like, this, you've just got nothing for me, okay? So this is completely pointless and wasting everyone's time. Okay, now I'm going to do my pitch. Right, that, <laughs> that is normally the angle I like to take, right? I like to set low expectations, but I've said that this is the best, is, is the most awkward. Just awkward tell I've us ever out. Had. Just tell us. You know how I've been worried about my pelvic floor. I've said it on here. I'm worried because I keep coughing and like wee is threatening to come out, right? Yeah. And sometimes a little bit does come out, and it's weird. Like I haven't had a baby. Like why have I got a weird? Like why is my pelvic floor like failing me? <laughs> so. So you said actually, I, f I think a few people have said like, don't wee in the shower. Don't we? Don't standing we standing up. up? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Number one, don't we in the shower because like running water makes like I don't know something about you shouldn't we with running water. Yeah. yeah, and then you'll need to wee so, every time you hear <clears throat> running water. Yeah, and also don't stand up while you wee. It's bad for you. So before I go into the shower every morning, I've been making a point of sitting on the loo and just making sure that I wee. Just like trying my best to get something out, even if it's not coming. I'm like, I'm gonna stay there. And also been like pushing my bladder, which I don't know if it's necessarily like a healthy thing to do. So if anyone's got any info on that, do tell. I was in a rush one morning, so I jumped straight into the shower, right? And suddenly I was like, oh no, I need a wee. I really, really, really need a wee. But like, 
I was like, I don't have time. I'm in a rush. I don't have time to get out, dry myself, go to the toilet and come back. So just pee in the shower. It's fine. And I was like, do you know what though? I am going to squat in the shower (laughs) because I shouldn't pee standing up. I'm going to squat. So I took my position right and I didn't just like bend like I full-on squatted like my bum's almost on the floor like yeah. I was like, like you know like how frogs sit right yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's stunning isn't it yeah. okay uh, I start peeing and at that moment the door opens and Dave walks in and he goes are you doing a poo and I was like no 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 no, I was like, no, 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 I'll get out. I was like, get out, get out. I'm not doing a poo. Get out, get out, get out, get out. I'm not doing a poo. Oh, and he was like, doing a poo. I could just hear him like, like shouting, but like, oh, oh. So I rushed through everything. I went out and I was like, no, 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 no. I promised I wasn't doing a poo. I was like, listen, Dave, I'm worried about my pelvic floor, and they say you shouldn't pee in the shower. You shouldn't pee standing up. So that's why I was squatting. And he was like, oh my God, I just can't. He's like, it's burned into his brain forever. Are you doing a I mean, that's what it looks like. Imagine me just like full on squatting naked in the shower, peeing. There's a name, right? There's a name. What's it called when you step your poo into the shower plug? There's what? a name. A waffle stomp. What? A waffle stomp. If you poo Wait. in the shower, because apparently that's a thing, to make it go down the plug hole, you have to stomp on it. And it's called a waffle stomp. That is so disgusting. And I think it's because like it's like a shower grate, like a shower plug is quite often looks like a waffle, you know? So Oh my god, that is so disgusting. It's a it's a <laughs> thing. You could have been shitting in the shower and then waffle stomping it down. I could, I, well, there you go. I want to say something. Romance, like you, like Dave is in no position to blame you for killing the romance in your relationship because we've all seen what he got you for Christmas. So I feel like... I know, I know. I feel like <laughs> January in the light Mealy household might be a good time for some couples therapy. I don't know. <laughs> Send you on a little retreat to like relight the magic after the quavers and the waffles tomb. Every time, every time I look him in the eye, it's all I see. Like, and I'm like, what did you see? Because, like, I, you know, I couldn't really see me from my perspective. I just know that it was bad. But, like, <laughs> he walked in and thought I was taking a shit in the shower. You know, it's... Like, imagine finding that out about your wife after a year and a bit of marriage. What a perversion. She likes shitting in the shower <laughs> when no one's around. <laughs> and then waffle stomping it away. <laughs> Oh my god, so, oh, so fun. Yeah. That's why your feet are so exfoliated and soft because it's all that, oh. all that stomping. Well, I keep getting scared. And this is the most selfish and first world thing I'm ever going to say, so we might need to cut it because it will be <laughs> the Molly May 24 hours in a day caliber <laughs> of comment. But Can't every wait. time I keep hearing, well, they keep saying that there's going to be like big power cuts across London with like the weather and, and energy cuts and everything. And they keep being like, we might have to just have power outs over the night. And I'm like, what if my wedding cake defrosts? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be really sad if it's ruined. That would be sad. I know. It's such a it's so bad. Every time I have that thought, I'm like, bad, bad, bad thought. Bad thought. Bad thought. It's but not also. important. But also, I really don't want to lose the cake. Anyway. <laughs> 
So I was with my um, partner at the time for coming up to four years this year and we didn't begin engaged for two years and we were due to have our wedding on the 16th of September. And then on the morning of my wedding, after kind of getting all my makeup done, um, I had complete confirmation at that point that he definitely wasn't coming because he was four hours away from where the venue was and we were due to get married in like an hour and a half. And... Um, so yeah, I was left at the altar and rather than kind of going home and crying, which I think was completely understandable if I did, I still wanted to enjoy the day with my friends and family who I had basically had people coming over from Ireland and, and Scotland. So it wasn't, they weren't traveling an hour. They were traveling like nine hours to come to a day to celebrate me and my partner at the time. And I wanted to still enjoy the food, the music, the the dancing. And that's what I did. So I had a day of me celebrating self-love and with my friends and family. And this is like what is so cool because I think like this is the really, really cool bit is that like I, I mean, this is a horrible situation for you to have been in. Like really, really horrendous. Like you're getting married. This is a day that you've planned for a long time. You're getting married to someone that you love and that you've been trusted. and that you trusted right yeah. and you know all the money and then for him to just literally up and leave on the day of the wedding and for you to then carry on like I would be I would have been an absolute wreck you wouldn't have been able to like I just wouldn't have been able to do it and I think it's so amazing but like the fact that you just like carried on and continued and had what looked to be I mean I don't know how it was like like behind the scenes but what looked to be like a really great day surrounded by your friends and your family and you you really did like enjoy as you said like the food and the drink and the dancing Mm -hmm. and just being around everyone did it feel like that or or it it was obviously not as as rosy as that there was like ups and downs. There was a lot of ups and downs, but there was a lot of like really poignant moments, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And I wish I could strangely go back and experience them again because I didn't appreciate them for what they were at the time, if that makes sense. Like dancing with my dad and, and the fact that my dad actually danced with me was a miracle because he's very kind of like in his own. He's very kind of like, he's not like an extrovert like myself. He kind of wants to sit back and lets everybody else do their thing. But the fact he danced with me, was something I'm kind of always going to treasure. But there was a lot of moments where I kind of had to go off and kind of like, there was a bit of a safe space that I had where I would just go and cry. And then the girls would kind of pick me back up again and I would get back out there. And there was a point where, uh, the, the I think it was like around 12 o'clock of the night and I think the tequila kind of like, well, that was at its peak, basically. And then I just wanted to get my dress at that point. And so my friend took me outside because all the, the bathrooms were all kind of things. So I was having a bit of like a, a bit of a panic attack. She was a bit like, so she undressed me like mid in front of everybody. She's like, I don't care. Get it out of the dress. And I got into my joggers and my shirt. And then once I was out of the dress, I carried on dancing then. And I, I still enjoyed more tequila, more vodka. And yeah, and I danced the night away. I'm so obsessed with you that's so cool <laughs> but i didn't know about silicon new brush because i'm gonna get one because that's, that's a game Dave. changer yeah that's on we've got them here they're really good because yes yeah, so the shit doesn't stick so you use it and then you flush it like you know you flush ah, with the brush so it just like gives it a little good. yeah that's and then it's good. just yeah stunning how did no one think of that sooner well, I don't know when silicon was invented because I realised that plastic was only invented in the fucking 80s, which is insane oh. to me. No. Yes. Hey, Siri. 
When was plastic invented? Plastic was formed in 1907. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Siri full on putting putting you to shame. <laughs> Did you did you know plastic was only invented like twenty years ago? <laughs> I meant it in the context of food packaging, and that was the eighties. Wait, hey Siri, <laughs> when did plastic start being used for food packaging? Okay, I found this on the web for when did plastic start being used for food packaging. Check it out. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, I don't <laughs> want to talk about it. I t- fuck it. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Bye, bye. Because <laughs> you know, plastic was only like invented in the 80s. Plastic was invented in 1907. <laughs> Literally ah. the 19th century, nearly. <laughs> Right, that's it. I'm done. It's over. You're uninvited from the hen. All of this is not, not happening. I, I'm uninvited from the hen. I'm embarrassed. I have to. I can't. I can't. <laughs> You're gonna realise every fact I've told you over the last four months. Shit. Shit. <laughs> Absolute bollocks. <laughs> oh no! I tell you, I tell you what that was. You know, um, at the beginning of all those films, the Paramount films, when you were a kid, and the lions like that, like your head moved in the same way. The two vibes, the way you were like, oh, <laughs> that was fucking right. Please take that out. I'm so sorry. Oh god. In. These people have to know the working conditions. Should I delete that? Is part of the Acast Creator Network. 